Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can waste another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can conquer it. I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. Any road. The steeper, the better. Because my all-new Santa Fe is available with H-Track all-wheel drive, so I can hit the trail without a worry in the world. Heck, with three rows and best-in-class rear cargo space, I can pack the whole family in with all our gear. We've got available dual wireless charging for our phones, so we'll never lose touch with civilization, and we won't lose touch with the primordial power of Mother Earth. So which is it? Waste the weekend or do something a little more epic and conquer it in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance, too, with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. It's 30 with Murdy with your host, Sweeney Murdy. Welcome back, everyone, to another 30 with Murdy. I hope you're all doing the best you can under these circumstances. We in the sports world have spent a lot of time reminiscing in the last few weeks without real sports. The funny thing about looking back at some of the sporting events of our past that we remember so fondly is that we forget how quickly time passes and how long ago some of those memories that seemed like they were from just yesterday really were. And that's where this week's episode comes in, a conversation with 36-year-old Jeff Mayer. You may remember him as 12-year-old Jeffrey Mayer. If you don't remember the story, as Mandy Patinkin said in The Princess Bride, there is too much, let me sum up. Game 1, 1996 ALCS, Yankees and Orioles. Yanks are down 4-3, bottom of the 8th, when 22-year-old rookie Derek Jeter hits a fly ball into the right field corner toward the short porch at Old Yankee Stadium. Orioles right fielder Tony Tarasco backs up to the fence. He's camped under it, reaches up, and looks like he's about to catch that ball when suddenly a golf appears just above his head. It deflects the ball into the stands. And then Bedlam. Right field umpire Richie Garcia rules the ball a home run, and Tarasco flips out. Armando Benitez, who threw the pitch, ran all the way from the pitcher's mound to the right field corner to argue with Garcia. Baltimore manager Davey Johnson did the same. Garcia stood his ground. No fan interference, he said. Home run. Tie game. The replay of Jeter's home run showed, however, that the glove appeared to be over the fence in the field of play, and fan interference was probably the right call, which Garcia admitted after the game. Remember, this is 1996, long before replay reviews on home run calls. The Yankees would go on to win the game in 11 innings on a home run by Bernie Williams, on their way to winning the series in five, and then beating Atlanta in the 1996 World Series, the birth of a dynasty. 
That glove in the stands was attached to a 12-year-old who within minutes told the world he was Jeffrey Mayer from Old Tapan, New Jersey. And in an age before iPhones and social media, he literally became an overnight sensation. Face plaster on the front page of major newspapers and morning TV talk shows, the talk on FAN for sure. Jeffrey Mayer, we all knew his name, a hero in New York and a villain in Baltimore. Although he disappeared from the spotlight after a short time, his name was never forgotten. Turns out Mayer became a pretty good high school baseball player and a good college one, too. He set the all-time hits record at Wesleyan University in Connecticut, and that record has since been broken. Shortly after that career ended, at the 2006 baseball winter meetings, a young man introduced himself to him in the hotel lobby as Jeff Mayer. Instantly, the boyish face gave him away. Of course, I knew who he was. By then, a college graduate, Mayer was looking to work in baseball. He spent a year in the Milwaukee Brewers front office and then moved along to a near career path. But the name still rings bells every time a fan interferes or potentially interferes with a ball at the outfield fence. Where is Jeff Mayer now? He's a married father of three, a Yankee fan living in Red Sox country in New England, and he is still a Yankees fan who makes his way to the park every once in a while and mostly goes unnoticed. What does he remember about his wild ride and his place in baseball lore? Here is my conversation with Jeff Mayer. Jeff, let's start with this. How often does your one shining moment come up? I would say it comes up maybe once every four or five months, um, certainly once a season, uh, undoubtedly it will come up. Uh, and, uh, usually I'm, uh, I'm not aware of it when it does, but it's brought to my attention by colleagues or friends or, uh, or family that I don't hear from all that frequently. Uh, and they'll, uh, they'll let me know that they saw something on sports center or MLB tonight or, or something of that nature. And, and yeah, the play comes up and all of a sudden, it you know your name jumps into the conversation and basically your phone starts blowing up is that it exactly yep so there was a, a quote unquote Jeffrey Mayer play <laughs> yeah. so. guilty as charged I'm I, I'm <laughs> I'm one of them that uh, that brings it up all the time so let me ask you how old are your boys now right now I've got three boys nine seven and five all right and have they seen the video they have they have I think uh, you know the. The nine-year-old is is certainly the biggest uh, sports nut of the group, and and he definitely has a, a deeper uh, understanding uh, of the impact of the play. Uh, and then my seven and five-year-old um, have seen it, but I, I don't think that they quite uh, you know realize the magnitude of uh, of the play. So, what do you tell them about it? I just tell them, hey, you know, uh, your father was at a game. He was your age. You brought his glove, just like they do when they go to the game, and and you know, had the same ambition, which was just to catch a ball. Uh, and, uh, you know, perhaps I had maybe too strong a nose for the ball uh, and <laughs> maybe uh, maybe migrated a bit further, uh, a bit further to the fence than, than perhaps I should have. But, uh, you know, I think, you know, I did what, uh, what everyone else would have done. And uh, it obviously was a an impactful moment, uh, both for the Yankees and the Orioles and, and, and certainly uh, for that series. Um, you know, but I let them know that, uh, it was just, you know, a, a, an instinctive reaction, and uh, Daddy got a lot of attention on account, on account of it. A lot of attention. I mean, do they even, like, what's their reaction when they watch the video? Do they recognize you? Do they laugh at it? Do they just kind of like, oh, great, show me something else? What what happens? So uh, so they definitely, uh, you know, my, my youngest, uh, you know, doesn't really get it. And, and you've met my oldest, and yeah. he... Uh, 
you know, he's very into into the game. I mean, gosh, we we saw uh, four games in three days uh, last summer at Yankee Stadium against the Red Sox, and he uh, he he's on every pitch. So, um, you know, he definitely uh, gets a good kick out of it. Um, you know, this was obviously an era pre. Uh, you know, not pre-internet, but pre kind of the uh, the usage of the internet that yeah. we see today. Uh, and so my mother had a giant toy chest uh, of just paper clippings and <laughs> memoirs that she saved from that. And so we have that in our house today. And, and the boys kind of have sifted through that with me. And uh, it's certainly, um, you know, it's certainly fun to do that. Uh, and probably more fun that we live in New England and that my, my three boys are Yankee fans. Yeah, that's a whole other set of headaches, isn't it? <laughs> it is. It is. But, uh, you know, we we were on the right end of the stick last year. And if we can get some games going at some point here this season, I, I think they're uh, positioned to do well, too. Yeah, I hope. Uh, well, we'll we'll see where that goes. You know, um, as I was watching the replay again to refresh my memory for this, the thing that caught my eye is that, you know, one thing we forget is you weren't the only one there. If it wasn't you, it would have been somebody else who, you know, and they might have done something. The result might have been somewhat different. Maybe the ball bounces off them and back onto the field of play uh, or somebody else reaches out and grabs it. That's, you know, I mean, you got the fame out of it uh, and your name comes up all the time. But, you know, this wasn't just some renegade act. If it wasn't you, it was going to be somebody else. (laughs) I guess it was a it was a contested catch or <laughs> uh, or carom. Um, so yeah, absolutely. And I mean, obviously, uh, looking at uh, the pictures or looking at uh, you know the, the replays, uh, there were plenty of folks uh, that were uh, similarly eager to try and uh, you know catch a souvenir, uh, and and they were obviously a lot older, right? So yeah. I think that um, you know from from the perspective of now being you know a father and adult looking backwards. Um, you know, obviously there was a lot of, uh, kind of polarizing thoughts about whether or not (laughs) I should have, uh, you know, done what I did and, you know, uh, you know, kids should be taught to think more and stay out of the, stay out of the game. Um, but I think it just goes to show it's, it's part of the game, right? Uh, part of, you know, buying a ticket and going to the game is you want to see your team win. Uh, and, uh, and obviously if you can walk away with a souvenir, then, I think that's something that, you know, brings out the eternal child in all of us. Um, so uh, certainly agree. Uh, I guess I had the benefit of, uh, of being smaller and a bit more nimble uh, in terms of getting to the fence that day. But I, I agree. Uh, one way or another, somebody was going to be touching that ball before Tony Tarasco did. Yeah, and I want to give you some credit for this because there's a degree of difficulty here that I don't think I appreciated until I just saw it again recently. Um, in the new stadium, there are seats that are beyond that right field fence, and all you really have to do is stand up in order to reach a ball that's hit in that direction. You had to jump up from your seat, run down a couple of steps past a railing, and then lean over. I mean, there's one, it's a really good job of tracking the ball as a 12-year-old, <laughs> and two, I think there's a degree of difficulty here just to reach it that... Uh, I don't even know if you appreciated then or, or appreciate now more. You tell me. Yeah, no, I, I certainly uh, I, I think that that gets lost a little bit. Um, you know, there was sort of that uh, those seats were elevated. 
right? Uh, so that used to be the the the, uh, the concourse walk was right there. Yeah. Um, and so, yeah, uh, it, it definitely um, it definitely is a bit different than it is now. Uh, actually, my son and I sat in, in virtually the same seats in the new stadium uh, last year. Really. And uh, and and you really are right on the field. Um, and so. Uh, kind of going back in time, uh, and, and I coach AAU baseball now, and, and we're in New England, and, and prior to the uh, COVID-19, we were finally starting to get the kids outside a little and start to uh, have them get used to some pop-ups, and uh, I can assure you that was a lot higher than anything I was accustomed to seeing <laughs> uh, in Little League, and I, I guess I got fancy. I tried to Willie Mays it instead of doing a two-handed catch, and you know maybe that was, uh, it probably would have been a little more obvious to the umpire had I uh, taken a more uh, traditional route of catching it. But, um, uh, but yeah, it was definitely, I definitely had to cover some ground. I'm sure AWS stats or something like that could, uh, <laughs> yeah. could go back and, and, uh, and give you the exact speed and distance covered. So, and probability of catch. Get a little, so. that, that's the front <laughs> office employee in you. I'll get into that in a moment. Um, <laughs> I've had the opportunity to ask Aaron Boone about, his pennant winning home run in 2003 and the thing that he told me that sticks out is that his memory of hitting that home run is really only bits and pieces and he puts things together uh, now from either watching the video that's shown over and over again or from other people coming up to tell him what they remember where they were and it's all pieced together in his memory from all those things now he was an adult when that happened. I'm curious, <laughs> you not only just the, you know, really the awe of that moment, plus the fact that you were only 12. Uh, how is your memory shaped of of that? Is it all crystal clear in your mind? Are you piecing things together from what other people have told you or the videos you've seen? How is it formed for you? Yeah, probably the latter. Um, much more the latter than the former, and and I think. Uh, for me, uh, my recollection is simple. I, I remember, I remember Jeter coming up, uh, and I remember Benitez was on the mound, and I knew that he threw hard. Uh, and so, uh, with Jeter hitting, uh, you you had a season of watching him hit, and you knew that he had a, a propensity to hit the ball the other way. Um, we obviously had seats, and we're hoping uh, to, to have him hit one in that uh, general direction. I remember the ball going up. And then really, uh, the next memory I have is, is kind of having a microphone uh, under my mouth and, and Jim, Gray, <laughs> Jim Gray's hand at the other end of it. So, um, you know, I, I know that through pictures, I ended up on somebody's shoulders. Uh, I don't recall um, who that person is or know who they are. They were just a, a, a big Yankee fan. Um, and uh, I, I really don't even remember the line of questioning or or even getting home uh, really? <laughs> that night. So it was just uh, just a blur. I know when I got home, there were uh, you know, media trucks. So obviously I had uh, given far too much information uh, <laughs> about myself during uh, yeah. during the debriefing. Um, and, uh, and yeah, I mean, as a 12-year-old, it, it definitely – uh, it, it definitely uh, was not something that you're accustomed to, and then I think you you know you you add in fifty thousand uh, screaming fans and just uh, you know the I, I think also the fact that you know obviously there was a, an argument after the play and, and mm. play didn't exactly resume right. so uh, so it kind of gave the gave an opportunity for it to uh, to to 
to go on for a bit longer. But yeah, it was uh, it was certainly it was certainly not something that I can give you the play by play on. It was it, it's a it's a bit of a blur and uh, watching it and kind of watching the interview afterwards, uh, you can start to put it back together. But uh, definitely, uh, definitely something that. Uh, I benefit from seeing some of those highlights. I, I would I would agree with Aaron. <laughs> right. Yeah. Jim Gray calls you the hero of New York to your face. Um, do you uh, do you recall even how that started? How you got to him? Shove the, did, did he introduce himself to you? Do you even so, remember any of that? So I remember. So I was at the game with uh, friends of the family, yeah. um, who also happened to be uh, Orioles fans. Oh, so wow. uh, you pretty interesting. Um, and I wasn't supposed to be at the game, uh, because I believe game one was actually rained out. Mm-hmm. Um, and so, uh, a member of the party who had a ticket, uh, had a work, uh, he had a work engagement that, uh, took precedent, uh, during the makeup. And so, uh, I was asked if I wanted to go. So, um, I think that's an interesting piece, right? Because I, I wasn't supposed to be there. Sure. Um, and if and I read the story right, you were supposed to be at a dentist appointment or something, right? Wasn't that the note that your mom said you my were mom, yeah, to get out my, of school? I think I, in fairness to, to her, I think I missed like a gym class, which would have been <laughs> the last class that I would have wanted to miss, uh, you know, in, in uh, seventh grade. But um, but yeah, I, uh, I, I she gave, she came up with something, orthodontic mm-hmm. or, or dentist, some uh, some little fib that uh, you know no one would ever know, uh, of course. But uh, <laughs> until here we are until now. Until that happens. Yes. <laughs> um, but yeah, no. After after the play, uh, I know uh, in we went up kind of the uh, the walkway into the uh, the concourse area, mm-hmm. and at that point there was a lot of uh, folks with uh, press credentials um, that were that were there and had kind of assembled, uh, and because I wasn't. I wasn't kicked out. It wasn't fan interference. So I wasn't escorted from the right. stadium. Um, people often ask, you know, we saw that you had to go that way. Were you kicked out? And no, I mean, it was a home run. Uh, but at that point there were a lot, I mean, Jim Gray was there. Uh, and I think that uh, I was still trying to get uh, reconnected with the, the folks that I had been at the game with. Uh, and he, he started asking a lot of questions, your name, uh, where do you live? What's your phone number? <laughs> <laughs> all these, all these things, and I was probably uh, way more than forthcoming uh, with all of that. So, um, and I've looked back at that interview, and it and it certainly I did my best to be poised, and I, and I had some interesting answers <laughs> that are funny in hindsight. Yeah, sure. Um, but uh, but yeah, no, I I, I don't remember uh, the mechanics of how we got there. I just know that the security team kind of moved me in that direction, and I think it was because. Uh, I was up on that guy's shoulders and no one knew who he was. And uh, it was probably more just a safety thing than anything else. So you said you didn't only remember getting home, but if I read the stories right, you basically for your safety were escorted out and weren't allowed to go back. So the game ends with the Bernie Williams home run in extra innings and uh, gives the Yankees win. You didn't even see that then, I guess. I didn't see that. We were listening to it in the radio and my father was listening to it as well on his way home. And so he was listening to it driving on the Palisades Parkway and uh, it was John Sterling and Michael Kay uh, at the time that we're doing the play by play. And I think they said, here we are in you know, the bottom of the 10th inning and we wouldn't be here right now if it wasn't for young Jeffrey Mayer of uh, Old Tapan, New Jersey. And my dad said he nearly drove off the road, <laughs> right? Because this was pre-cell phones and, sure. and all of those things. Um 
so yeah so we we obviously uh because i mean we were parked uh, just a parking lot right the one of the one of the normal uh parking lots uh, mm-hmm. there and yeah. so yeah so I, I i definitely never got to see the rest of the game um and uh, that was probably good for traffic reasons uh right. to get home but uh and the outcome was certainly great um but uh yeah you're right so what else you said when you got home you remember news trucks and things like that what else do you remember about that night about you know before your head hits the pillow do you remember anything like that <laughs> so um so my mother had been a huge fan of good morning america okay. and good morning america had offered to have us they wanted us to be on the show and in order to make it easier for us uh, they had gotten a room at the plaza hotel uh, and uh, a limousine to take my family and I into the city that night. Um, so we actually stayed at the Plaza Hotel. Oh, wow. My, my older brother and my older sister uh, worked in the city at the time. So they came in and met with us. I think we got room service. And I probably eventually was in bed, I don't know, maybe by 1 a.m., something wow. like that. Because uh, I think it was a 4 o'clock start, if I yeah. recall correctly. Yeah, I believe so. Um, so something of that nature. And then I was on Good Morning America the next day. Um, and so, uh, we did good morning America. We did, uh, Regis and Kathy Lee. I still have a, a ball. One of those, like, incre- <laughs> one of those incredibles signed by them. Sure. Um, I think my, uh, my younger brother may have taped over, uh, the original episode with oh, like no. a, a Ninja Turtle movie or something <laughs> like that. Well, we won't hold it against him. Sure. Uh, and then, uh, the New York, Daily News or the Post, I don't want to misspeak. One of them said, if we can follow you around for the day, you know, we have tickets right behind the Yankee dugout. You can you can have our tickets. I'm pretty and, sure that was the Daily News. I remember speaking. I remember being yeah. at the game the next day. Yeah, which was awesome. And uh, it was uh, in, in order to do that, I we turned down Letterman and some other uh, you know opportunities, which, in my opinion, no offense to to Dave, was totally worth it. Um, <laughs> And uh, actually, at the game that day, Derek Jeter threw me uh, his wristband uh, that he, he had worn the night before. Um, and so I still have that as well, Nice, uh, which was pretty cool. Yep. Wow. And so did you wake up the next morning? Did you turn on the TV? Did you get the newspapers? Did you see your face <laughs> splashed everywhere? I did. Yeah. Um, so, you know, we woke up uh, and, and the newspaper obviously uh, had had it uh fairly fairly well broadcasted across several newspapers um and you know i think in, in many respects uh had it happened in today's uh era it probably would have been even more crazy mm-hmm. um you know with cell phones and, sure. and social media and email um you know and so I, i'm sure that you know the velocity or the frequency of the folks that tried to reach out um you know on account of it or did see it um, you know, uh, would, would have been far more magnified in that scenario. Um, it's funny, my, my, uh, my grandparents actually lived in Florida at the time and I was bar mitzvah the Saturday before this all happened. And oh. so they had been up for the bar mitzvah and, uh, they were taking the auto train from Lord and Virginia down to, oh, sure. yep. uh, to Florida. And, uh, this actually, they were, it was overnight. So they were on the train when this all happened and, no um, when they uh, they got back to their little community, uh, there were a bunch of people that were waiting uh, right around their their unit and uh, in Lake Worth, Florida. And I remember my grandmother saying that you know she was nervous. She thought maybe someone had died or <laughs> someone was sick. And they they all had copies of the the paper from the Palm Beach Post uh, 
you know, saying, you look what happened with your grandson, you know, can you believe this? And it was, uh, so it was really funny. It was just a sign of the times, not that long ago. Sure. Um, but, uh, you know, certainly news traveled a little more slowly, I guess. Listen, a lot of this, um, is fun, but there were some parts of it that weren't a lot of fun, right? Yeah, no, for sure. Um, you know, I think, uh, obviously, uh, you know, professional sports are, uh, are a big deal and, and people, uh, are incredible fans of their teams. Um, gambling, uh, is something that, uh, people uh, do as well. Right. Uh, mm-hmm. and, uh, and so there were people that, you know, were negatively impacted by that as well. And, uh, we're, we're fairly vocal about it, um, be it through mail or, um, you know, or calls. And I think that's a, that's a big wake up call, um, you know, for a 12 year old and, um, you know, I, I certainly understand, uh, the frustration or understand why people are upset. I think, you know, being on the other end of that, um, you know, wouldn't, wouldn't, uh, wouldn't be fun. Um, you know, that said, uh, I think that my parents, uh, would have done this nonetheless, but that further kind of amplified, uh, the importance of, you know, really moving, moving forward and shutting it down. Um, and I mean, it stuck with me through, uh, you know, through my, uh, through my baseball career. Um, I think, you know, I have been hit several times, uh, when I played competitively, um, certainly, uh, certainly with intent. Hmm. Um, I've certainly had things, uh, things were thrown at me at one point in a, uh, in a, in a game against Williams, my freshman year, uh, up in, um, uh, up at Wesleyan. And so, I mean, I think, uh, look, people, uh, people certainly, uh, will react in different ways. Um, but, you know, for the most part, uh, I think that uh, generally people kind of understand. And, and, and you brought up this point earlier. When you look at that picture and you see if you take me out of the equation, there's 10 other folks yeah. that are all, you know, old enough to vote, old enough to drink, <laughs> old enough to, you know, go to war that are making the same decisions um, to try and catch that ball. So I think, um, you know, at the end of the day, um, you know, it, it was a 12 year old kid um, doing what a 12 year old kid would do, but also doing what generally any able-bodied person that, you know, is, is a fan of the game and, and going to the game would do as well. So, um, you know, time heals all wounds, um, you know, and, and cooler heads prevail, but, uh, there certainly were, um, some, uh, some, some threats, uh, along the way that were, were definitely uncomfortable. Listen, I'm curious as a 12 year old, how aware were you of how hateful or how threatening some of this mail was that you received or did your parents shield you from that part of it? Yeah, I mean, stuff started coming in. And and I would say that, uh, you know, for, for every negative, uh, you know, piece of mail, there were 100 pieces of, uh, you know, mail that uh, were were highly positive. I had, uh, you know, someone from a boy who was my age from Hawaii reach out that, you know, wanted to become a pen pal. And, um, you know, certainly, uh, you know, certainly have had folks, um, you know, share positive uh, memories as well. Um, but it, it certainly, uh, it certainly, uh, was opening, and, and, you know, it's not something you want to read. And I, and I think anyone who tells you that, um, you know, that hearing something negative about themselves or seeing something written or talked about negative about themselves, um, that they're okay with that. Uh, I, they're probably not being entirely truthful because at the end of the day, we're all human. And, uh, and I don't think anybody uh, feels good per se, um, I don't know. I guess as I, as we tell our kids, you know, there's this like saying, you know, 
go fill a bucket, right? Yeah. Um, fill someone's bucket today and right, right. don't, don't empty it. And, you know, I, I think that, uh, for the most part, there were a lot of bucket fillers out there and, and a couple folks that, uh, you know, didn't subscribe to that philosophy, but, um, yeah, it, it certainly, I think it made me grow up in, in, in many regards and, and be sensitive to, um, you know, to people's feelings for sure. So other than the uh, exchange of wristbands the next day, what interactions have you had with Derek Jeter? So uh, that following February after they won the World Series in 1997, uh, I guess ahead of spring training, he was doing a um, he was doing a signing uh, in New Jersey in Secaucus at one of the hotels. Uh, and uh, my mom uh, had reached out. So this is, I think, uh, yeah, probably in January of, of 97. My mother had reached out and uh, gotten in touch with the folks from the show to say, hey, I'm um, Jeffrey Mayer's mother. He's actually not yet really met Derek. Would it be possible for him to, you know, meet him and, and, and spend some time with him? Um, and so that was arranged. My father and I went down there. Uh, we got to meet with him. Uh, he's super I, – I was, you know, 12. So I didn't have anything uh, – 13, actually, at that point. I didn't have anything uh, terribly uh, – uh, meaningful to say just because I was in front of, you know, who was my role model and, and, and a star at that point. Um, but I was certainly, you know, thrilled to meet, uh, meet him. Uh, he was super polite. I remember he called my father, sir. Yeah. Um, you well, know, he was only 22 uh, at the time. He was a youngster. So, yeah. uh, and he, um, uh, he signed a ball for, for me that said to Jeff, thanks a lot, Derek Jeter. Uh, and, uh, and he signed a glove that Mizuno had sent me. Uh, because Mizuno had gotten, I guess, a lot of attention uh, because the glove I had used at the time was a Mizuno glove. Yeah. And uh, and yeah, so uh, <laughs> so he uh, he signed that. That still sits and resides in our basement, as as well as a a picture uh, that I have with him. And uh, he was uh, that was great. So that was that was our uh, that was kind of the the extent of our uh, kind of meeting one another. And you you've never seen him since, or talked to him since. <laughs> I haven't seen him since. Uh, I know that he, uh, I know that he was interviewed when I was coming out of college because there were some articles uh, about me uh, in my baseball career, and he thought it would be interesting if uh, if I made it to the major leagues, and um, I thought it would be interesting too. But I, I guess not many other people did. So, <laughs> um, so lo and behold, uh, that never worked out, and then. Um, I think he's actually he's actually met my older sister a couple times. She lives down in Miami, okay. um, and she was a, a, a an executive in New York City uh, through some different functions uh, uh, and things, and um, and it's come up. But I think it's uh, he, he's a pretty he's a pretty private person in terms of that stuff. So we sure. haven't uh, we haven't. But uh, if he's listening, congrats on uh, on the Hall of Fame nod and uh, on a. An amazing career. Yeah, he listens to my podcast all the time, so I'm sure he will hear this. <laughs> hey, um, you had a chance to meet Tony Tarasco a few years after that too, didn't you? I did. Yes. So, uh, <laughs> so there uh, was a, a camp in Demarest, New Jersey, called the Baseball Fever Camp, uh, and it was uh, run by a gentleman named Greg Butler, who had connections into uh, the Seton Hall baseball family, so the Shepherd family, uh, and also new folks over at the Mets and. He ran a annual summer camp uh, that I was part of the staff uh, going into my freshman year of college. And uh, every year they would have a Met come and talk to the talk to the campers, 
um, do some autographs and, uh, and, and it was always exciting. And so every morning Greg would get the staff together and say, all right, here's our agenda for the day. You know, let's have a good day. Let's have some fun. Uh, he said, and, and by the way, you know, I, uh, there were a couple options, uh, for some Mets, I think Timo Perez and Tony Tarasco, but Timo Perez doesn't really speak English all that well. So I went with Tony Tarasco and I don't, it didn't, uh, it didn't resonate with Greg, I guess at the time, but it resonated with, uh, you know, all the staff because the staff was pretty much comprised of, uh, of kids I played with and against, um, you know, locally in high school. And so, you know, they all knew me and, uh, and then Greg was like, Oh, Holy smokes. You know, I, I didn't put two and two together. Um, but yeah, we got to meet, uh, he was a nice guy. I mean, we had a, uh, we had a good, a good conversation. Uh, we had some pictures taken. We, we got to kind of, uh, go off on the side by ourselves for a few minutes and, and, uh, you know, just connect. And, uh, I think he, I was appreciative of a lot of, uh, kind of what he had to say about everything. He, he sort of just, you know, I identified with the fact that I was a 12 year old and, you know, doing what I did and and really kind of just said, Hey, you know, I guess for lack of a better term, shit happens. Right. And, (laughs) uh, and ultimately, um, you know, I think he thought I had a key to the city and all these different things. So it was funny just exchanging stories and, you know, sort of how that, how that game played out. But, uh, you know, he was, uh, he was a really nice guy. And, and I think if I recall correctly, he ended up, uh, doing quite a bit of coaching, uh, after his playing career. Mm-hmm. I'm not sure what he's up to now, but, um, uh, but he, he certainly gave a lot to baseball. Do you remember like even just the, the introduction, was there any awkwardness there? Did he know you were going to be there? Was that was, there he, so I think he was, I think he was told on the way, okay. uh, in, into New Jersey that I was going to be there. And so he had his chance to kind of plan out, uh, you <laughs> yeah, know, right. how he was going to approach it or, or at least, you know, scream, you know, into a pillow really loud or something <laughs> on his way to the camp. Uh, but he was super professional the whole time and, you know, kind of made a little joke and, and, and was dismissive at first, um, you know, just in, in, in good jest and play. Yeah. But uh, but we had a really good conversation. And, and like I said, he was a he was a real good sport. And I think at that point it was it was 2002. Mm-hmm. So, uh, so certainly enough time had passed, um, for some of those wounds to heal. Have, um, you ever met or spoken to any other Orioles people, uh, in the years past? So I have not, I have not, um, you, you and I were down, uh, when were the, well, was winter meetings winter in 2006? Yeah. And I, I, I feel like maybe I can't remember who someone said something. Maybe it was like George King. I can't recall. Yeah. Someone said something to Cal Ripken, like, "Hey, you know, he's here." <laughs> I, I I do not think he wanted to uh, to connect. Um, yeah. But uh, but no, I haven't. So I've been to uh, I've been to Camden Yards. You have. I, I saw a Red Sox Yankees game there. So my uh, my brother in law and sister in law live in Virginia with their kids. And, uh, we went to a game before kids and we, you know, we had a great time. We made it in and out of there. Um, you know, I, I made sure that I was 21 at the time, but I made sure that I didn't, that I didn't buy any, uh, any alcohol myself. Uh, I didn't want to flash an ID there, Oh, but, um, you know, but was it, what a great park. It was an awesome park and, uh, and absolutely, uh, had a, had a great time there. I had, um, I heard this story from Derek Jeter uh, at the World Baseball Classic. I guess this would have been in 2006. Uh, mm-hmm. Davey Johnson was, 
I think he was one of the coaches. I don't think he was managing the team. I think he was one of the coaches. Uh, he could have been managing. I forget. But uh, as the team, as the Team USA got together for the first time, they all went around the room and and said uh, something to introduce themselves. And Davies Jeter told me this. Davy stood up and said, "I'm Davy Johnson, and I'm here because Jeter hit a cheap home run." Uh, <laughs> Basically, the chain of events that followed got him fired at some point, um, and it broke up the room pretty well. So that was a that was a pretty good laugh. At least Davey could laugh about it a little bit uh, some years later, even not that moment. Hey, I I want to tell people about a cool moment from last year, and I want to get your thoughts on it. You brought your oldest son, as you said earlier, to uh, see a couple of Yankees Red Sox games, and in the middle of a double header on the Saturday last August was the Yankees Fan Fest, the WFAN Yankees Fan Fest. And you and I were in touch, and you came over. And I didn't know that he was going to be there at the same time, but as you came over, Bernie Williams was standing there. And I had the uh, really pretty neat opportunity to introduce you to Bernie (laughs) Williams. And I was more curious, not at your reaction to meeting him, but his reaction to meeting you. And I don't know what you remember about it, but just the... The flash in his eyes as the name recognition kicks in and all of a sudden it's like, wow, Um, he was really genuinely kind of thrilled and happy to meet you. And uh, what did you what did you take away from that? Yeah, that was that was awesome. So, I mean, first off, thank you. Um, You know, it was it was a really cool opportunity for my son and I to uh, to obviously be a part of that. So so thank you. And, you know, it was great because we got to spend uh, some time afterwards and, and I showed uh, my son uh, videos of Bernie and, and his statistics and, you know, talked about just the, the amazing player he was. Um, but it, it was really great just to connect. And, uh, you know, there's a lot of times that you meet professional athletes uh, and, you know, they, you know, they do their obligatory hello. Yeah. Um, Bernie was very, very interested in uh, just, talking and connecting and, and hearing about family and how you'd grown up and the things you'd done um, and what you were doing with your life. And, and similarly, um, you know, he's obviously gone on to do some incredible things um, and, and chases other passions in his life uh, that he didn't have the opportunity to do with baseball. Uh, and so, you know, for me, uh, he's, he's an iconic member of those teams uh, and, and many outside of New York, pretty understated, I think, in terms of, uh, you know, just how great a ball player he was. Mm-hmm. Um, but I think, you know, yeah, he he, he certainly is very genuine. Uh, and it was it was really a, a privilege to meet with him. So are you still the all time hits leader at Wesleyan? I'm not. And oh, I'll be a little man. I'll be a little sour grapes about that <laughs> because, uh, you know, I, my games played was down the teams, you know, in, in good spirits, the team is actually, uh, since, since I've departed, um, continued to build on a lot of the, uh, the things that uh, we started doing as a program, uh, during my time there, um, with coach Woodworth and, uh, and they've consistently been, uh, been a, making deep runs into the playoffs, both for the NESCAC and, uh, and regional, uh, NCAA tournaments. So, um, you know, more at bats, more hits, but uh, but uh, but no, it's been fun and, uh, and and it's been fun especially to to bring the boys down. My wife and I are both uh, alumni of Wesleyan, and uh, it's been really really fun to go and 
uh, go and see those games and, and uh, cheer them on. Um, and I did have the honor of being uh, put into the Baseball Hall of Fame there. So oh, wow. that was uh, yeah, it was a it was a really nice uh, nice recognition. Program's been around for a long time and um, crazy that they're not they're they're also impacted by this not playing this year for the first time since uh, I think eighteen sixty seven. Wow. But uh, you know it's um, yeah. I left it all out on the field. Nothing to complain <laughs> about. And now I'm uh, now I'm now I'm wearing out what's left of my arm throwing batting practice to uh, a bunch of nine U AAU players up here in uh, New England. That's a wonderful thing. Uh, you mentioned earlier that we had first met at the winter meeting several years ago, probably 2006. Um, you had tried to get your foot in the door in baseball. I know you spent a little bit of time working with the Milwaukee Brewers. What were your mm-hmm. front office aspirations? What were you hoping to do, and how far did you end up getting before you shifted gears into uh, in your career path? Yeah, so, I mean, I think uh, I had uh, an opportunity to do some scouting for Peter Gammons in the Cape Cod League uh, in the summer of 2006, uh, and my aspirations were, uh, were, were pretty much to – try and become a general manager as uh, I think, you know, most, uh, most folks that are passionate about baseball and want a career in baseball, but, you know, aren't going to be able to, uh, got a, an entrant coming into my office, but, uh, uh, but, uh, you know, that aren't able to potentially play at that next level, but, you know, want to continue to, uh, be involved in the game and, and have that competitive spirit. Um, I did have a chance to, uh, be an intern for the Milwaukee Brewers for, uh, a decent part of the 2007 season. And uh, ultimately, I think uh, what I, I made the decision that uh, the path was too, too hard um, in terms of the investment. Um, and based on, you know, my parents having made sizable investment in my uh, college education, I wanted mm-hmm. to, you know, ensure that that got put to use. And, um, you know, and I ended up uh, kind of abandoning that, uh, I guess half about halfway through the 2007 season. Um, and I had also been in a, in a very uh, serious relationship with my then girlfriend, now my wife. And, um, you know, it made sense to, uh, to, I guess, grow up, uh, would have been, uh, the term, but, um, you know, I think, uh, for me, uh, you know, being involved in sales and, and specifically working at startups and smaller companies, um, it's a, it's really a good way to, uh, harness that competitive, uh, that competitive juice and fire. And, um, and so it's been a lot of fun to be, to be a part of that. And, uh, and for me, you know, I think what I'm realizing now more than anything, uh, coaching my son and being involved, uh, you know, with, uh, with young players that, you know, have their own aspirations is it's that on the field, uh, that on the field engagement, uh, that is, uh, so exciting and that, that purity of the game, uh, and just going out there and playing, uh, and having fun. So, uh, I'm definitely, I'm definitely feeling like, uh, like that's ramping up again, uh, in terms of, uh, you know, my involvement with, uh, with coaching the youth kids. All right. And for the last several years, you've been working with a company called Fastly. Tell us what you do. Uh, so yeah, so Fastly is a, uh, an edge cloud. So, uh, effectively, uh, we play in the same space as like an AWS or Google or a Microsoft, uh, and we're responsible for ensuring uh, that uh, applications or content uh, that are accessed over uh, the Internet uh, are able to get to any device, anytime, anywhere um, with with great speed, security and uh, 
uh, and cost efficiency to our customers. Um, so started at Fastly in 2014. We were a 35, 40-person company. Um, fast forward to now, we IPO'd last year on the New York Stock Exchange, 650-person company, and uh, I'm currently responsible for uh, overseeing uh, our strategic partnership and uh, ecosystem uh, efforts uh, at the company. So uh, seven seven years later, still still chugging along. And you're doing some traveling. So I think you've told me like occasionally when your travels bring you through a New York airport, that um, you, you you know you can't bypass showing the ID there. This isn't like not buying a beer at the ballpark. You um, you've had yep. some uh, some name recognition in those instances, huh? Oh yeah, and you know your it's it, you know your your documentation says Jeffrey Mayer too. So right, it's right. Uh, you know that's what everybody remembers versus right. you know in, in the working world I, I use Jeff more frequently. Um, but yeah, you you've got smart TSA agents and. Um, you know, and gate agents that uh, that kind of recognize when you come on, and uh, certainly uh, on a number of occasions had folks uh, folks remember who I am. Um, and it was funny. I, I remember being at Newark Airport uh, maybe two years ago, two and a half years ago, mm-hmm. and uh, you know they have in Terminal C there. They've got all these like you know walk up restaurants and and little bars where you know you just kind of sit down and there's you punch into the the ipad what you want to have and they bring it to you and there was no doubt in my mind that uh josh norman was sitting across from me and it was just (laughs) us and uh and so we got into conversation and i said hey you know it was right after he and odell had some of that back and forth and uh you know we just started uh started chatting and yeah, it, it came up and he goes, yeah, he's like, I was like, well, you know, I'm a Giants fan and, you know, I like you nonetheless. And he's like, well, at least someone likes me. He goes, nobody down in D.C. likes me. And uh, this was after he signed his contract. I said, well, we have that in common, too. And uh, and, and I told him, uh, you know, the story and, and he he even remembered and, and thought really? that was funny. So it was. Uh, yeah, that was that was a fun that was a that was a funny experience. That's terrific. I, I always like to ask this guys of this of guys who maybe made famous catches or caught the last out of a world series. Uh, I'm curious your answer to this. If you close your eyes, can you still feel that ball hit your glove? It's a good question. Um, yeah, probably because it hit me. <laughs> hit me. You in remember the, heel. the feeling. It hit me in the heel, and and uh, and that didn't feel too good. <laughs> so, because uh, it was coming down pretty hard. Yeah, I, I do remember the feeling, and uh, you know, and I think that it, it's funny. You know, as I've taken my son to some games, we we always get there a little bit early, and um, you know, and, and as I mentioned last year, um, you know, we yeah, sat did you have flashbacks. We did, and and uh, it was it was actually really interesting. Um, there were a bunch of Red Sox fans, uh, excuse me, Yankee fans uh, that were there, and some of them were, you know, sharing uh, pleasantries with Mookie Betts throughout the game. Uh, and my son was one of them. And you know, I told him, "Hey, you know, let's try and keep this positive, right? You know, we don't have to cheer against, you know, cheer for your yeah. team." Um, and uh, and I want to say it was Gio Urshela hits a ball in the second game on on that Saturday night hits a ball kind of down the first baseline, just foul. And it caroms off the wall and it gets to Mookie Betts. And Mookie looks at me and he looks at my son and he points at my son and he flips him the ball. Wow. And 
you know, and then the guy next to us goes, Hey, does Mookie still suck now, kid? You know, and <laughs> and you could just see, you know, my son just clam up and, and go quiet and you know, very sheepish. But uh but it was fun. I and uh and so, you know, uh but certainly just watching it's the same it's the same feeling, right? Uh every pitch if a ball gets kinda near, your heart beats a little quicker and yeah. you get excited and I'm sure even up in the press box, uh, you know, when things uh, kind of fly in that area, it's the same thing. And, um, you know, I think it's just uh, it's a it's a human instinct for sure. I've got one sitting right here on my desk. It's labeled May 25th, 2013. Uh, Yankees at the Rays, Desmond Jennings off of Preston Claiborne. I had uh, made a couple of errors like you on previous attempts. This one I caught. And where the press box sits at Tampa Bay, you can't really just toss it back to the crowd. It's too far below us. So I yep. kept it. And um, there you go. So I know I have the ball I caught, even though I probably dropped a few others. You didn't get to keep your ball. You have any idea where, where it is or who got it or where it's turned up over the years? I think that somebody in Connecticut came away with it okay. um, and uh, had reached out about uh, I think that same the next day about uh, if we wanted to to buy it back, we didn't. So, um, you know, I think at that point we were uh, p- we were pretty fortunate in terms of uh, the way that we were being treated and uh, and the opportunities that, that we had to uh, to have some fun with the whole situation. Um, and so we didn't do that. But that was my last understanding of that location of the ball. Where's the glove? So the glove actually uh, was uh, something that I parted with. Oh. I had uh, I had someone reach out to me not too long ago uh, and expressed interest in buying it. Uh, shared some original numbers. I'm a salesperson, so you you, <laughs> you 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 know you don't turn away business until you know what it is. Um, and it ended up being you know I said, listen, I, I'm appreciative of the offer, but it's really not a material. Uh, number that makes sense. Um, they called back, and this was probably about four or five years ago. Uh, they called back, actually, maybe more like six years ago. Called back with uh, what uh, what I deemed to be a material number, and I ended up uh, parting ways with it um, and put it into uh, to, to a couple five twenty nine accounts for my kids. There you go. So um, you know, it was sitting sitting around anyway. Uh, they actually had called back. Uh, several years after and, and asked me if I wanted to buy it back for the same amount. Um, and I said, you know, no, uh, I, I don't. And I think they ended up selling it on an auction. Um, so, uh, but yeah, you know, you, I've got three kids and I, the way that college is, is moving, it's not going to be cheap to put them there. So, um, that was, uh, that was an opportunity that, that, uh, that I did, take on that i think it was good investment strategy on your part uh i got just a couple of uh, quick ones for you uh, sure you're in back to the future okay what is 36 year old you when you go back in time and meet 12 year old you what do you tell yourself uh have more fun right uh, um i think uh i always was very serious uh certainly with sports um but i, I would say that it goes by really fast and you know, every day that you can be out on the field is is a better day than being somewhere else. So just enjoy it. Um, it's what I tell my son too. We'll go and we'll be. Uh, I'll be throwing him batting practice, and he'll get frustrated that yeah. you know he's not having as good a day. And I said, "Hey, look around. Who's here? It's just me and you. 
right? right? Like there's no one watching. Mm-hmm. You're playing baseball. Well, most of us are in quarantine for coronavirus <laughs> yeah, right. right now, right? Let's yeah. uh, let's have some fun. And so I, I think that would definitely be something I would recommend. Um, but you know, for the most part, uh, I'm I'm pretty proud of the decisions that I've made and and the things that I've done uh, between now and then, and uh, feel like uh, you know, like uh, looking back on it. Um, and looking back on, on my life, I would just say, Hey, enjoy it. Cause you can't be a kid forever. Um, and, uh, in some regards being a major league baseball player is an extension of being a kid, uh, and, and those fun memories. So I would say, you know, enjoy every moment of being around the game while you can. All right. And those boys I hear in the background, I know are clamoring for you. So I've got one more for you. When you go back to those seats that you sat in last year and a fly ball comes your way. Your kids stand up. What do you do? I stand up too. <laughs> you hold them back? Do you so, push them forward? Do you get out of the no, way? Just no, get out of the way? What do you do? I, I think, uh, I, you know, I, I'm, I'm there with them. We're trying to catch that ball. <laughs> so I, I think, uh, you know, ultimately I, I would be a bit more uh, – I would be a bit more aware of the reaching out and down. Mm-hmm. Um, but I certainly, uh, I don't know if I was standing up, I guess you could say, you know, waist up is fair play. So, <laughs> um, but yeah, no, I, at the end of the day, that's, you know, that's the most fun. That's the most fun part of, uh, of going to a game is, is trying to catch a ball. And so, uh, I'm, I'm still there doing it. <laughs> My thanks again to Jeff Mayer, who handled all that came at him pretty well, all things considered. He doesn't run from the attention, but he doesn't seek it out either. He's still friendly with some people in the baseball media world, myself included, but he hasn't tried to use his name to get places. I saw him at Fenway Park a few years ago, standing in the crowd with his son, just like any other fan, taking in the experience. I hadn't seen him in several years, but he called out my name, and the only reason I recognized him is because that boyish face is still pretty recognizable 24 years later. The great thing about sports is the certain names and games always go together. Yankee fans all know what you mean when you say the Bucky Dent game or the Aaron Boone game. Aaron, there's no doubt that many will also refer to Game 1 of the 1996 ALCS as the Jeffrey Mayer game. Want to remind you all to go to the 30 with Murdy archive at radio.com or wherever you listen to podcasts, subscribe and review and all that jazz. And please remember to stay home, wash hands frequently, stay safe, practice social distancing. Together we will beat this and get back to a normal way of life. A special thanks to all the courageous healthcare workers who are getting us through this. Thank you all for listening. And until next time, I'm Sweeney Murdy. You could spend the weekend doing the same old whatever, or you could conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey.